Good morning. Today is Wednesday, May 25th, 2022. Before we begin this morning, I want to dedicate my words today to the 21 precious souls who were murdered in their school in Texas yesterday. 19 children, two teachers who died trying to protect them, several other children wounded. Last night, President Biden spoke. He said, to lose a child is like having a piece of your soul ripped away. There's a hollowness in your chest and you feel that you're being sucked into it and never going to be able to get out. It's suffocating and it's never quite the same. And it's a feeling shared by the siblings and the grandparents and their family members and the community that's left behind. Scripture says, and here he quotes Tehillim, the verse in Psalms. The Hebrew words, Karov Hashem Lenishbere Lev Vezdache Ruach Yoshia. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. And so tonight, the president said, I ask the nation to pray for them, to give the parents and siblings the strength in the darkness they feel right now. As a nation, we have to ask, when in God's name are we going to stand up to the gun lobby? When in God's name will we do what we all know in our gut needs to be done? It's been 10 years since Sandy Hook Elementary School where gunmen massacred 26 people. Since then, there have been over 900 incidents of gunfires on school grounds in the United States. You know, the president was just returning from a trip to Asia. As I was flying back, when I heard the news, what struck me was these kinds of mass shootings rarely happen anywhere else in the world. Why? Other countries have mental health problems. They have domestic disputes. They have people who are lost. Why does this keep happening with such frequency only in America? Why are we willing to live with this carnage? Why do we keep letting this happen? Where in God's name is our backbone to have the courage to deal with it and stand up to the lobbies? It's time to turn this pain into action. Our prayer tonight is for those parents lying in bed and trying to figure out, will I be able to sleep again? What do I say to my other children? 
what happens tomorrow? May God bless the loss of innocent life on this sad day. And may God be near the brokenhearted and save those crushed in spirit because they're going to need a lot of help and a lot of our prayers. This is also a political issue. I try very hard to stay away from discussing contentious political issues in public. But there is no escaping the fact that at this moment, in the United States, there is the will of a majority of citizens to pass laws that will not eradicate but seriously reduce these massacres. Those laws are supported by a strong majority of Americans. Those laws have passed the United States House of Congress. There is a president ready to sign them. And the only obstacle in the United States is Republican senators who refuse to allow legislation to save the lives of children. Not a majority. Republican senators who are in the minority, who represent an even smaller minority of the population, because of the laws of the Senate, they have been able to block any effort to save the lives of children. The blood of these children is on their hands. Let's switch gears. A good speaker knows the importance of an ending. An ending has got to be succinct, poignant, memorable, and somehow has to sum up the major themes of whatever you've been discussing. So this week's Torah portion, Bechukosai, which is a very heavy, difficult Torah portion, The Parsha has a structure as follows. It begins, God says to the Jewish people, If you follow my laws, all these good things are going to happen. You will have plenty. You will have crops. You will have security. Things will go well. But God says, if you do not follow my commandments, if you do not listen to the laws that I'm giving you, then things are going to be very, very difficult. There will be war. There will be famine. There will be exile. There will be persecution. And then the passage comes to an end. Israel. <laughs> Bahar Sinai, Biad Moshe, these are the laws. God sets out this contract, this covenant, 
do it, it'll be okay. Don't do it, it's not going to be so okay. It's going to be very much not okay. Here are the laws. That's it. End of story. Here are the laws that Hashem has given. Keep them and it'll be good. Don't keep them and it will not be good. It's a perfect ending. I mean, it's a very somber ending because it's a very somber, solemn, frightening Parsha. But it is, in its way, a perfect ending to this, to this narrative. You have this path, you have that path, and here are the mitzvahs for you to decide which path are you going to take. Okay. The problem is, it's not the end. Because after what seems like the perfect conclusion verse to this narrative, there's another topic that is tacked on. And it appears to have no connection to what was discussed before. It appears to be just an addendum that was just, well, we couldn't figure out where else to put it. Let's just, let's just insert it here. Another chapter, the mitzvah of Erechin. Now, the mitzvah of Erechin is about making a very specific type of donation to the base of Migdash, to the Holy Temple. You want to make a donation to the Temple for the upkeep of the Temple, for the sacrifices in the Temple. But again, it doesn't, it, 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 it certainly doesn't flow with the narrative of the Parsha. It seems to belong maybe in some other portion and I don't know, there wasn't room for it there and just stuck on here. I mean, it, it, it doesn't, it does not seem appropriate for the ending of this, of this passage. And remember, our portion this Shabbos is the end, not only of the Parsha Bukhukosai, it's the end of the book. It, this is the end of Vayikra, the, the third book of the Torah. Seems like an extra paragraph is just stuck in at the end. So let's try to understand this. This mitzvah of Erechen, which means valuation, is a voluntary mitzvah. A person was never obligated to ever engage in a mitzvah of Erechen. It's completely voluntary, and it is a very specific type of dedication, donation, to the base of Migdash, to the Holy Temple in Jerusalem. Because you can make any kind of donation you want. You know, it's like a death. You can make any donation you want. You can call it for this. You can call it for that. You can put it in general fund. It's We're happy to take a donation, whatever the reason is. And we're happy to take any amount. Basic this is the same thing. You can donate for whatever you want, whatever amount you want. But there was a specific donation called Erechen. And it went like this. I would say... Let's say I would say about you. I would say, Erech Ploni Olai, meaning the Erech, the valuation, but I want to put that in quotation marks because I'm going to come back and make that word a little bit more precise. But for now, we'll just use it. The valuation of so-and-so, it's on me. Meaning, I am going to donate to the Beis Hamikdash the valuation of your worth. I'm going to make that donation. And then I donate an amount of silver or gold of that amount 
to the base of Mikdash. But the Erech is not individualized. It is, and this is what the parsha describes to us. The Erech of a person, and I'm using, again, valuation in quotation marks, is set amount, set by gender, and by age category. So for a certain person, there is a set standard Erech. <clears throat> so if I say Erech Ploni Olai, so whoever that Ploni is, male, female, what age, that determines how much it is. Now, what's really strange about this is, if I want to give 50 coins of gold to the base of Megdash, I can give 50 coins. If I want to give 51 coins, I can give 51 or 49 or 732. I can give a donation of any amount that I want to give. Why would I, why is there a structure where I give it in the form of your value, but it's not your value because that's why it's not really the valuation of, of, of anything that relates to you. It's just some standard figure on a chart, male, female, ages. You just look at the chart and that's the amount. Why have such a thing? Let a person donate 50 shekels to the, to the base of Megdash. What I want to share with you is partially based on an insight by Rabbi Mordechai Kamenetsky. And the answer is this mitzvah of Erechin, it's not about donations. It's about people. And the message of this mitzvah is that my value is not based on what I can produce. It's not based on what I own. It's not based on what I look like. It's not based on what I accomplish. None of those things in God's eyes determine my erech. It's not based on any external factor. Though that is how society evaluates us. That is how very often we look at each other. How much money do they have? How physically attractive they are? What do they accomplish? And that's why to us, certainly to our society, some people, whatever words we choose to use, and we may be a little bit more sensitive about the words that we use, some people matter more and some people matter less. That's, that's the reality. But that's not God's reality. Because in God's eyes, every single human being has an innate value as a person, as a tselem elokim, as one who is created and who reflects God's image. And this mitzvah of Erechin is placed by God in the Torah precisely where it is needed. How do you feel 
on Shabbos morning, when this week's Torah portion is read, if you remember it for the past, or think about it this coming Shabbos if you have the privilege to hear it in shul, or even if you're home and you study it at home, how do you feel when you finish reading that passage? When you finish reading that long, long passage where God says, and if you do not follow my commandments, then in excruciating and terrifying detail, all of the prophecies of exile and persecution and hopelessness and fear and hunger and trauma and anxiety in excruciating detail. How do you feel? And when you realize that every horrible thing the Torah predicts in our Torah portion literally happened to us within the last 100 years. Uh, speaking for myself, I feel lousy. I feel about as low as I've ever felt. It's one of the lowest points of the year. How are we supposed to think about ourselves as Jews after listening to this passage? Is it really true, God? Have we really forsaken everything? Have we really gone so far off the path? I mean, you know, Master of the Universe, we do try to do a little bit mitzvahs here, there, a little Torah. I mean, are we really what you're describing? Because, because the consequence that you're describing happened to us. Are we really that bad? Are we really that awful that every prediction of our downfall should happen to us? These are frightening questions. And I need to admit, I do not know the answer. But it is inevitable that hearing this Torah portion will sadden us. It will depress us. It will cause us to think worse about ourselves. And if it doesn't, it can only mean we're not paying attention. Most places, including Adath, most synagogues have the custom in reading this passage that the one who is reading from the Torah reads it in a very soft voice and in a very fast manner. Get it over with. Get it over with. It's too much to, to pay attention to. And then comes the mitzvah of Erechen. That's not the end. There's a mitzvah of Erechen. And the mitzvah of Erechen says in its details, God says to every single one of us, my beautiful children, even if you do succeed in soiling yourself through your sins, even if you do succeed in arousing my 
need to discipline you in these ways which I just mentioned in such excruciating detail. But you're still my children. And I love you. And you still have goodness and purity within you. Your essence is still good. We've spoken about this before. You may have soiled and made mistakes on your exterior. But your essence, you cannot remove the goodness from your essence. And so if I look at what your actions are and what you produce and what you accomplish, there could come times when God says, I'm not so happy with what's going on. But the moment I look at your essence, your erech, not based on accomplishment, not based on what you have or what you did, simply based on you are existing as a human being, you have worth, you have value. You're still my children, God says, and I love you. And let me show you that I love you because you can say about a person, any person, Erech Ploni Alai. Now that person could be Moshe Rabbeinu. That person could be, I want to use respectful terms. I'll just say a person who is the exact opposite in every characteristic and every uh, 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 action. And, okay, just the exact opposite. But if I said Erech Moshe Eli and Erech Ploni Eli, same number of coins, same, the same. What do you mean? Moshe is the same as this, this? <laughs> yes, in essence, yes. In other words, God says with the mitzvah of Erechin, I am willing to search for the good within you and even when it is not evident. Now, please be, please understand me. God is not saying I'm going to overlook anything that you've done wrong. <laughs> Our parsha makes that painfully clear. God is going to hold us responsible. But finding the bad does not blind God to searching for the good. The truth is we have a weekly reminder of this on Shabbos. Who are we on Shabbos? We produce nothing. We accumulate nothing. We build nothing. We rest. Our status on Shabbos is not based on what we do, but on what we are, God's children. One of the greatest Torah leaders to live through and survive the Holocaust was Reb Halberstam, the Klosenberger Rebbe. He was one of the greatest heroes of our people from the previous century. There are so many stories told about him. Please listen to this story. This story happened at the end of the war when he, Klosenberger Rebbe, was among the few broken Jews who survived, survivors in a DP camp. And Yom Kippur came. 
the first Yom Kippur of liberation. For the first time in years, they were could again they could again gather as Jews to observe Yom Kippur, but their bodies, their souls were in such pain. What are they supposed to feel on Yom Kippur, a day of atonement, after having survived the Holocaust and everything taken from them? And Rav Halberstam got up to speak. And he began to recite the prayer we recite on Yom Kippur, the vidui, the confessional prayer, the confession of our sins. And he started with the famous words, Ashamnu, we are guilty. And Rav Halberstam said aloud, what are we guilty of? What could we have possibly done for this to have happened to us? How is it possible that we are guilty? And then he said the next word, but God knew we have betrayed you, God. And he said aloud, how can we be guilty of but God knew? Any mitzvah that we did not perform was only because it would have cost us our lives. How do we betray you? Gazal knew we have stolen. How did we steal? What was there for us to steal? Everything was taken away from us. We couldn't possibly be guilty of stealing. And he went through each of the words of the vidui, proclaiming aloud, it, we didn't do any of these things. We could not have possibly violated any of these sins. And then he said, But we are guilty of one thing. And people were listening now, and people were very surprised to hear this. He said there are those in Auschwitz who were guilty, and those in Matthausen who were guilty, in Dachau they were guilty, and in Treblinka they were guilty. We are all guilty of the same sin. How many of us gave up? In our pain and servitude and humiliation, we accepted our tormentor's view of us, that we are worthless, that we don't count, that our lives are cheap. For that, we are guilty and we must repent. And we must promise never again to forget that every one of us indeed is a king and a queen. That is the message of Erechen. And that is why it is the fitting conclusion to our Parsha, Bechukosai, and to the third book of the Torah, the book of Ayikra. To every one of us, and to all of those mourning in Texas and elsewhere, this Shabbos we say, Chazak, Chazak, Venis Chazek. We must be strong, we must be strong, and we must strengthen 
each other. My friends, I want to wish you a great day. And I look forward to seeing you soon in person. I would love to hear what you think. Thank you. <clears throat> I will... Uh, Yes. Yes. It is. It is. But we need to hold on to this mitzvah of Erechen because that's why it's placed there. Because otherwise it would be just uh, futility. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you all. I want to wish everyone a good day. Take care. Hopefully tomorrow will be better. And I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Thank you all so much. Thank you.